Welcome back to another episode of TBI Talks Tech. I'm your co-host, sales trainer, Eric Hills, and along with me is operations trainer here at TBI, Dave Polakowski. And today we have a very special guest. He is the director of sales operations at TBI. It is Brian Reynolds. Brian, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be with you guys and to hear some other voices. Yeah, well, then, for sure. And sound excited, Brian. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> there you go. I had I had a chance to read the blog that you wrote recently. I think you wrote it. Our, our marketing team didn't ghostwrite it for you, but it was it was really it was really interesting, <laughs> right? Some of your thoughts on the customer journey now in light of COVID, you know, and I, I think we've beat the COVID drum to death, but we can all agree that coming out on the other side of this, the world just isn't going to look the same, right? So a lot of what you were speaking to was was shaping a human experience, not shaping, you know, the buying journey and thinking of customers as, as uh, deeper connections to society as a whole and how business is going to be able to strengthen that connection, which I think is easier said than done for salespeople, right? Salespeople, in my experience, at least, they want to make that connection, but it's it's usually in service of, of the transaction, right? So one of the questions you had posed was, well, how do I support my customers right now in a meaningful, you know, human and relevant way. But just talk to me about some of, of what you've seen out there in the world as far as how you're connecting with businesses and, and how some of those connections have been more meaningful than others and what it's led to. Yeah, so some companies would say that customer experience and human experience are kind of the same thing. But if you really think about it, I mean, it isn't. Just look at 2020 alone. We've only been in 2020 for six months and already we've experienced so many global crises. I mean, you would never think that you would even live to see any of these things in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Things have changed so rapidly in just the last couple of months alone. And that means that your customer is going to change. You can't think of them as customers anymore. You have to think of them as humans, which is why I'm posing the customer experience versus human experience. You need to create a human experience. Customer experience to me is so finite. It's so cyclical. With customer experience, you attract, you retain, you get revenue, and then you just repeat. It's lather, rinse, repeat, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's the oldest trick in the book. But today's customer is going to require a lot more. You're going to have to think of how you're going to holistically provide value to someone because your customers as humans are now looking to the businesses who I'm calling a living, breathing entity on how they are going to actually deepen their connection to society. You put the term customer on it, but customer is just a label. When you add the, the label human to it, it becomes more of a progressive journey. And that's what mm -hmm. you want. You want to grow your customer so that you can in turn grow your revenue, but focus on the customer journey as it pertains to society, not just to your business. Absolutely. And you know, one thing I, I thought that was really cool from the article, kind of when you were talking about the collective EQ, right? You mentioned how you got an email from a hotel you stayed at like five years ago or something about mm -hmm. COVID, which I think we've all been experiencing recently is just companies sending out email blasts about COVID and how you, you mentioned that it, that really focused on you just as a customer, as opposed to, you know, a human. So that was really um, you know, focusing on the customer experience versus the human experience. What are, what are some more of the, the bigger differences, I guess, between the two of those? 
Yeah, so this particular hotel chain, and I actually saw a, a lot of businesses doing it. A lot of businesses, as soon as this happened, as soon as it started to get real serious and they saw a very steep decline in revenue, the first thing that those businesses uh, worried about was what I'm calling like the hamster wheel. You know, how am I going to get the hamster back on the wheel so that revenue starts to come in the door more and more? Well, I'm gonna send something out to my customers and what I read in that email that I stayed at from the hotel that I stayed at five years ago was, hey, we're lowering our prices. <laughs> okay, great. What is that actually doing for me? Like, I don't, I don't really care about that right now. Like, I have a lot more to worry about. I have loved ones that I'm worried about getting sick. I have lots of employees that are looking to me for leadership. What, are, what am I going to do? So seeing that just kind of like put me in the wrong mood. And it was, you know, one of several emails that I got. And I just right. quickly deleted it. But... Other businesses, um, a different hotel chain, and I actually talked about this a little bit in the, in the blog, was Marriott. Uh, their CEO, his name is Arnie Sorensen, he put out a very heartfelt video whenever they had to start making some very difficult decisions regarding their employees. You know, they saw a steep decline in revenue. They said almost a 90% decline in some markets. And that's huge, especially for a billion dollar corporation, because they employ almost 175,000 individuals. So their CEO, Arnie, got on a video and just laid it all out there. It's like, look, we're seeing these declines. This is what we actually have to do. This is this is the plan of action. This is what my executive team is going to do. This is what we as a company need to do in order to make society better. If you haven't watched it, I mean, it's all over the internet, YouTube, Twitter, everything. Watch that video. It's a great example of leadership. And me as a consumer, seeing that their top executive just get in front of a video and you know, lay it all out there helped me to kind of realize that, wow, I'm actually probably going to put my money with that company now because they actually get what's going on and they're plugged into what it is that that is actually going on in society. Yeah, well, it wasn't tone deaf, right? It, no, it made exactly. sense with, with what's going on in, in society today. And just bringing it full circle around to our industry, like I know my mobile carrier has been messaging me, it seems like once a month, like, hey, added another 10 or 20 gigs to your, your wireless data plan for mobile hotspots to help you through these challenging times, right? Which is like nice, but none of us are really on the move either to, to where we need those mobile hotspots. So I just wanted to hear from you, like what what is some of the more human-centric messaging you've heard from some of either our agents or vendors in our community and how is how is this being applied to our industry yeah I think that uh, just overall if you're focusing on selling and you know building yourself up again that hamster wheel it's very evident to the customer in times of change in times of uncertainty the customer just the human just wants to be heard and understood if you're showing that you're hearing and you're understanding by saying, hey, you know, we've lowered our prices, hey, we've added this, so on and so forth, the customer knows immediately that you're not genuine. But mm -hmm. if you are showing some sort of resolve in, you know, communicating to society, you know, we're, don't, we're donating a, a, a portion of our proceeds to PPE for our healthcare providers, or we're donating to food banks for people that have been affected by these types of things. You know, hearing those types of those those types of messages be sent out to customer bases really solidifies and deepens a connection to society and in turn makes customers a lot more loyal 
to that brand. You mentioned avoiding the cynical and finite and trying to think linear and long term. Um, mm-hmm. Can you explain a little bit more about that? I thought that was a really interesting concept from the blog. Going along with putting the label of customer right. on someone, I mean, you're attracting them, you're trying to get them to buy something, and you're trying to retain them, and then you go back to the beginning of that. But if you look at the long-term, more progressive approach as a human, and again, kind of helping deepen their connection to society by use of your service or your product, you're helping build a stronger, more loyal customer to your brand. And that's how you build. You focus on growing that customer as you grow the business, not just you know a lather, rinse, repeat cycle of bringing revenue in the door. That's, uh, as, as we've seen, that can be detrimental to a business if they're not focusing on long-term. Because, I mean, look at all of the businesses that have had to close their doors just because people had to stay indoors for a long period of time. They weren't really focusing on the long-term progressive approach of developing a connection on a human level and retaining that customer. They were just out the revenue, and they went back to the beginning of the circle, and the circle wasn't there anymore. And I, I think it's a real paradigm shift. You know, adjectives like compassion, emotional intelligence, empathy, I mean, those aren't really words that I, I associate with American business, right? So it's a huge mental shift. To get there, I think companies are really going to have to wrap their head around like the return. You can't necessarily connect those dots directly to a sale, right? It's like you said, Brian, more about longevity and long-term planning. So I think there are plenty of, of analytical tools and different software as a service solutions that, that agents and customers can take advantage of today to really uh, track that longer-term customer interaction and, and determine whether or not they are shaping that human interaction or if they're still just remaining transactional. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the biggest things you touched on is just be vulnerable. Like it's okay. A lot of companies think that vulnerability is a weakness and that if they show vulnerability, they're not going to show a strong response to their customer. And then they try to counteract vulnerability and put out this really strong response. But then that just plays as performative and pandering to the customer. Mm -hmm. And it's very evident. It's okay to be vulnerable. Like none of us have ever experienced anything like what we're going through right now. And who knows if we will forever, at least for the next like hundred years or so, who knows? I mean, I hope we don't have a virus that comes back, but you just never know. And it's okay to say, we don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to take precautions to try and prepare the best for it and help prepare you, Mr. Human, Mr. Mrs. Human, and help deepen our connection to society and grow from this together. Yeah, sure. So you had mentioned uh, in the blog as well, Brian, like distributed workforce, right? And I took that to mean, well, brick and mortar, it's, it's not necessarily going away, but it's, it's diminishing, right? But as far as what that does for the talent pool, just talk to us a bit about like what you've seen in some of your perspective on, on what working from home is going to lead to as far as an employee-employer market out there. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of businesses for, you know, at least the most recent past have been solely focused on hiring someone that could physically physically come into the office. Like that was very important face to face interaction. And it is it is uh, it is important. But that severely, like you said, that severely limits the talent pool to choose from. There could be someone that is top notch and a perfect fit for what you need, but they live 
you know, a thousand miles away. If the past three months have shown us anything, it's who can be effective virtually. Talent's no longer limited to a finite space. And you might even see later um, after this that virtual interviews are actually a requirement to get the job to see how you actually perform in that environment. The same is going to be for customers. Customers are going to have a lot of what if questions that have arose from this experience. We we look at selling as it's it's kind of a traveling business, right? You travel to the customer site, you talk directly to the customer. Customers aren't going to really want that anymore because they're not going to want to put themselves Mm -hmm. or their colleagues at risk of possibly contracting the virus or putting you, the salesperson, at risk for contracting the virus. So you need to learn and adapt very quickly on how to be effective virtually um, and not necessarily in person. I mean, I know that we all love to go to a steak dinner after a pitch, but we need to find other ways to solidify the deal and close the deal other than a steak dinner. So, you know, now that we're seeing you know, and especially now that we've been this a while, the social distancing, now that this is kind of the new norm and as we're talking about kind of, you know, getting away from the brick and mortar in-person interactions and moving more towards virtual interactions, uh, how's that gonna change the expectations of the customers? Yeah, so the customer is still going to want to understand what it is that you do. So I would say that it's going to take a lot more visual representation of what it is that you're actually trying to get across. So whether that's sending materials beforehand or you know creating a, an interactive presentation or something, you're actually going to have to focus on the visual aspects of it. There's something, something to be said for face-to-face interactions, and there's a lot of things that you can do during face-to-face interactions, like you can read body language for one um, and know exactly how to pivot. That may not be the case anymore, So you actually have to figure out how you're going to do that virtually, and it's not an easy feat. Something that you should lead with in your campaign is safety. Customers, like I said, are going to have a lot of what-if questions. The first and foremost is going to be safety. You know, put it out there to your entire customer base on social media. What What is it that you're doing for customers to help them stay safe during this time? What is it that you're doing for your own internal employees to help them stay safe? Because your customers are worried about the people that they're buying from that they're staying safe and if they can't even keep their own employees safe how are they going to keep me safe so that's something to consider as well and an agent if, if they were talking with you or me they would be able to verbalize that but when it comes to putting that message down to paper and actually creating content i think that's where agents can sputter a little bit it's like well you say content creation and it's like well i'm not a content creator right they they just kind of shrink at that. So TBI's marketing team, if you want to talk with us about what you're doing to, to really shape that human journey and keep your conversation relevant to what's going on in society versus products and services, like our marketing team will strategize with you. You know, you're not in alone, leverage TBI. I just wanted to hit on the vulnerability piece one more time. I know we brought it up two or three times, but I think that's a really interesting one because I think it applies to agents in the sales conversations as well. You know, if it's a if it's someone who's not ever sold security, they're not going to talk about security with a customer because they feel vulnerable. They feel like they're going to to receive responses that they're just not going to be able to handle and they'll fall on their face and you know look look stupid in the conversation right so i think i think that is also a takeaway like we're all vulnerable you know we all have those stories and i think stories of vulnerability or even stories of failure are are more powerful sometimes so i was i was really excited you put that in there brian 
Yeah, I mean, vulnerability is the common denominator in the human race, like just bottom line. And a lot of people don't want to embrace it, but it's okay. It's what connects us. The negative experience are what connects us uh, even deeper to each other as well as to society as a whole. Life isn't like Instagram, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> no nothing like that. Obviously, this is a big change as far as the way we're dealing with employees, customers, just pretty much everyone in general, right? But we are seeing, you know, some kind of positive effects, right? As far as, you know, the benefits of virtual versus in person, you know, we have, you know, time savings, less travel, you know, what, what have you seen, I guess, as far as that, as far as productivity from home, you know, from employees in your experience? So, I mean, we're lucky enough to have a lot of systems in place at TBI that we can track exactly what everyone is doing. But there's, you know, pieces of working from home that you can't track. You know, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword sometimes. So, you know, mental health is something that you should always be focused on at the forefront of how you're managing people in a remote workforce. You know, there's a lot of things within a home that you can go to to take a break from work. Uh, and a lot of people see that as a good thing, and a lot of people see that as a bad thing because there's a lot of distractions that can happen. I mean, it's really easy for me to get up and you know, turn on Netflix or you know go play a video game or something like that or go take my dog for a walk. These are things that I can do to take a break from the day-to-day. These are good things. You should embrace those things. The downside, though, um, is that working from home, sometimes it's really hard because you're in a comfortable environment, it's really hard to stop working. There's some people that will start working at 8 a.m. and they won't sign off until 6 p.m., 7 p.m. just because you're in it. That works for a while and that's okay for a while, but that leads to burnout so much faster than anything. You absolutely have to still have some sort of routine that you go through. You have to take regular breaks so that you don't get burnt out quickly because mental health deteriorates very quickly if you're just focused on one thing and then all of a sudden, you know, it's dinner time, go to sleep, wake up, do it for 13 hours again. You have to structure your day, even if you're working from home. That's good advice. That's that balance that I think we're all trying to, to strike that's much easier said than done, but it's definitely good to, to focus on. The day can't really get away from you, so um, I think we've all been experiencing that. Yeah, and I think we're all fortunate enough to work for an organization that, that is going to take that more human-centric approach, right? It's like I know my director, if, if uh, like I have the baby and she's had a bad night or she's sick mm-hmm. you know, or I have to give my wife a big block of time to work, you know, he's not like, why is your presence icon off you know what you know he knows i'm available but and he trusts me that hey i'll I'll get the job done but it might not be between eight and five yeah and it it comes with some trust you got to trust and know what your employees are doing and trust that you've given the right direction and then just kind of go from there Absolutely. And yeah. And, and like Eric said, that that's, that's something that I think we've both been happy with TBI as far as, you know, leading by example in that department. And um, that's just been really great to see. So, And I know productivity is up for Brian's team, so I'm sure he's doing something right using some of these, these methods in, in his everyday practice. So really appreciate you taking some time, Brian, joining us, sharing your thoughts and just speaking to that blog you had written. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Hope to see you in person very soon. Yes. Yeah, as all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what soon is a relative relative term. Sure, maybe. right. But yeah, as always, if you guys have questions, topics, other stuff you'd like to hear on the podcast, it's just tttpodcast at tbicom.com. And we'll see you guys next time.